0: Welcome to the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast. I am your host, Ryan Hartley. This podcast is for heart centered leaders just like you. I hope our time spent together helps you leave a heart print where those around you are left better than yesterday. These interview sessions are sponsored by our great friends at Elevate Online Marketing. On episode 207, I'm joined by Amelia Antonetti. Amelia is one of the most sought after human behavior and strategic advisor experts in the world. She has appeared as a regular business and behavior expert on The Oprah Winfrey Show, The Steve Harvey Show and Dr. Phil. She has built or advised over two billion dollars in sales for companies and high profile clients such as Steve Harvey and Mike Tyson. Amelia's vision for a healthier relationship between people and companies has earned her global respect and numerous awards, including the Women's Economic Forum Woman of the Decade 2019 Award. Today, Amelia is the CEO and creator of Designing Genius. Designing Genius is a growing organisation of successful experts from a variety of backgrounds who are passionate about helping people and organisations discover their genius. The magic of discovering genius is that it is based on human behaviour and it works immediately. There's no motivational fluff, no one-size-fits-all, just practical tools that work immediately to get the desired results. Head to designinggenius.com for more information. But here we go, episode 207 with Amelia Antonetti. Amelia, welcome to Always Better Today podcast. How are you?
1: I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Oh, I can't wait for this conversation. And I guess I'm going to start with the obvious um, question, which is, what is genius and how did you find yours?
1: Ooh, that's a great question. Um, I think that genius is an inner compass. It's something that we're born with. Um, And I think it's also something that we actually fight uh, for a lot of behavioral reasons. And I think that I found my genius in my darkest of dark. Mm. It was my key out. And I didn't realize at the time what that even was. And so I, I lived a life for a long time of what I thought I had to do Mm. Um, versus when I finally got to like <laughs> depths of hell, right. I was like, "Well, how do I get out of here?" And, and like an inner instinct kicked over for me, yeah. and I realized that that was my inner genius, that was my calling the whole time.
0: Mm. Tell us a little bit about that context. Tell us about the back the backstory.
1: Um, you know, I've. I, you know, I think like I have had like, this is always <laughs> fall down, get up, fall down, get up, fall down, get up. Um, but there was always like a, like a weird sixth sense in me that even though I was in horrific circumstances, mm-hmm. I had like an inner knowing that this too shall pass. And there was, there's really no reason for that. I had a really, really traumatic childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, I made some really big, bold moves. I mean, now when I look back, I'm like, well, how Are you out of your mind? What were you thinking? You know, so I was emancipated at 15 years old um, and was so confident. Like, I was like, of course I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. I'm going to raise my brothers. I'm going to, like, I had such fierceness of knowing. Mm. And I look back at now going, you had nothing to go on. You had (laughs) nothing to go on. What do you mean? You're 15. You're going to start raising your brother. With what? Right. But that was, that was my mindset. My mindset was like this inner drive. That said, well, if my parents are going to be screwed up, I'll do it. The 50, you know, oh, and yeah. if they're, I, I'm going to I'm going to raise them. Right. I, and just. Yeah. But yeah. I
0: guess at what point did you realize that that's leadership?
1: Oh, n- not to, no, years. I mean, no, yeah. I didn't. Same thing too with like the word people like, oh, when did you know where you're an entrepreneur? I'm like, you do? No, I still can't spell it without <laughs> tripping over the letter. I'm like, there was no such thing when I started about being an entrepreneur. Yeah. You know, people forget that when I started in business, there weren't the women that you see today. There was no Oprah. There was no Martha Stewart. There really wasn't. There was Whoopi Goldberg and I'm not funny. So that was there. And there was Barbara Walters and I didn't want to interview people. There was no other women. That was it. And so when I started in being just so naive, right? It's just just no, so naive when I started my first couple of businesses, I thought that they were going to give me a parade. I thought they were going to go, way to go. You found, you know, a problem that you can solve in the marketplace. I didn't realize that I stepped in the big boys' backyard yeah. and they didn't want me there. Bringing green mainstream, there was no parade. They wanted me to go away. And I was like, What? <laughs> I was like, what? What do, you mean? what do you mean? You don't open the door and well, that's not what happened. And because I was so naive and I say, well, that was really my greatest gift because if I would have known what was going to happen to me, oh, I never would have started. Mm-mm, no, mm-mm, wouldn't have done it. Wouldn't have done it. And this kind of fall down, get up, fall down, get up. I got to a part of my life where I really started analyzing, like, who am I? Why am I here? What am I made of? Where does this this energy come from? You know, where is it of service to others? And I started to go, oh, wow, I'm actually none of the things that people told me I was. I I was none of those things. And I was like, wow, wow. You know, and somebody said, well, you know, this is what, you know, being an authentic leader is. And I'm like, I'm not a leader. What do you mean a leader? I'm not a leader. And they're like, Amelia, you run 53,000 employees. You aren't a leader. I'm like, oh no, I'm not a leader. <laughs> I'm a team player, but I'm not a leader. Right. Because I, I really pushed back on a lot of the terminologies that I had a dysfunctional association with those words. Leadership was never kind to me. So I didn't want to be a leader because I associated that with suffering. Mm. Mm. yeah see totally messed up
0: (laughs) no no no. it's fantastic yeah but you know the the i i've come to realize that um you know the people uh, and particularly when when the world of of really trying to make a difference through people with people that actually sometimes that comes through pain oh one of the one of the things i've read in the good book um last year in a different translation it says that um in your there's this well-known scripture that talks about the thorn in the flesh and and people know that in your weakness you are made strong but this Mm. translation i read it says in your weakness you will find god's full expression oh and like that that that's good uh, oh and it gets me every time because i think in that pain in that thorn in our flesh in the in the things that we wish might never have happened we allow God's full expression to come through us in the work that we do. And I call that heart work. I call that work that we're we're meant to do in terms of the things that light us up, the things that really, you know, bring out the best of us, the gifts, the skills, the talents, but it's not really for us. It's for the people in the world who need it. And I guess, you know, what were some of the things in your early days, you know, a bit of a spoiler alert, you've just said you've led (laughs) Fifty three thousand human beings, and I and I and I can't I can't not dive into that. But I, I want to know how did you get to even become that person that's even leading fifty three thousand employees?
1: You know, and I I keep going back to, um. There's a part of me that is very naive. Yeah. There, just there's a part of me that's very undeveloped because I didn't have a childhood. Mm. I I have be, I was Running for my life from six years old,
0: mm.
1: and at eight years old, I was raising my brothers. And at fifteen, I was legally emancipated. Wow. Um, I don't know if you have kids, yeah, but two. I, I have them, and I look at them going, "Oh, not a chance in hell. You wouldn't last a day. You wouldn't last a day out there, right?" And so, I didn't have some of those fundamental experiences of childhood and curiosity, um, let alone safety and security and stuff like that. And so there's parts of me that are still very, very childlike. And what I mean by that is I did not realize what I was doing. And I mean that in the most of sincerity, Mm -hmm. right? My drive was oh, at every one of my companies have been very passion driven to solve a big problem that the world said, well, you'll never do that. And I'm like, you do realize I'm not supposed to be here, right? You do realize that I should have been dead 10 times. So you telling me I can't do something, I literally crack up. I'm (laughs) like, I know I'm on the right path when you tell me I can't do something. I'm like, oh, that's my cue to keep going that way. And so the the need, right, so for one of the companies that I'm known for is bringing green mainstream. Mm-hmm. Green was a color when I started. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, well, what if we could create harmony between humans and earth in a in a way that would be non-toxic? And people were like, you're crazy. And I'm like, okay, well, but what if, right? And so I started because my son was so sick. I was losing my son. My son was in and out of hospitals. They're mm-hmm. like you're not going to make it. He's not going to make it. Just, you know, literally had a doctor say to me, you know, well, you could just do it again. I'm like, what, what is wrong with you? Like, mm-hmm. why would you say that to a mother? Like mm-hmm. I didn't buy him at Walmart. I mean, no. this is my child you're talking about. They're like, you're young, you're successful. Just make another child. And I'm like, oh, get a- you're gr- gross. Get away from me, wow. Right. Which triggers in me a fierceness a fierceness that you don't want to recognize with at all, right? If I've locked my brain into something, you've lost Mm -hmm. Just tell you right now. And that used to be one of the things, you know, in the business community again, because I was, there wasn't really a a lot of women and Mm -hmm. some amazing men mentored me and opened doors for me and just really, really befriended me to try to learn as I went. But they basically would say, if you sit across the table from her, you've lost. Mm -hmm. Don't sit down. Don't sit down. And that fierceness was never about me. That's where it was misunderstood. Right. And so the fierceness came from the team who believed in what we were building. Mm. So it was like, I can't let them down. Like, mm. I can't go back and go, oh, I didn't work, get the purchase order. What? I was like, oh, I'm not leaving here. I am not, I am not, I'll follow you home. I am not leaving here to go back to my team and tell you I, that I did, that I didn't win or I didn't get the pitch or what, whatever it was that I was working on mm-hmm. but the fierceness came from them mm. not me I'm an introvert I wouldn't leave my house and so that's what was misunderstood in the beginning of my career was I was art- articulated as like this like you know like this you know barracuda super smart strategist and I'm like uh, who are you talking about Like I was just doing the next, what I thought the next right thing was. There was no strategy. There wasn't anything. It was this thinking I needed to create an environment for my my team where they felt seen, heard and recognized. Mm. So when I built the school in my company, people are like, you can't build a school in your company. I'm like, who says so? Who says I'm going to homeschool right here. They go, you can't homeschool in a company. I'm like, watch me. right. And so I didn't want my team to commute to their children. I was like, that's awful. That's awful. Why would I, no, I'm not doing that. So we did that then way before there was shared work or the hybrid worker, I basically, we had no titles. We had no job titles. We had no times. There was no like be here at nine. I was like, get your work done. I don't, I don't care, get your work done. And people like, listen, you know, can I work from, you know, 11 at night to six in the morning? I'm like, I don't care. As long as it's done, I don't care. And so we created, started creating systems and a way of operating that was based on humans, right? Not necessarily the, just the value drivers of the business. Mm-hmm. I was concerned about what drove value for them as humans. And then as I, you know, more companies grew, they were like, well, that's because you're a female CEO. And I'm like, what? What does that have to do with me being female? Mm-hmm. I'm like, isn't that me about being caring and nurturing? for my team who has sacrificed their livelihood to be here. Mm -hmm. Like I'm in an impossible game as an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. I'm against the odds. Mm -hmm. I'm asking you to bet against the odds and I don't understand what drives value for you. That's cruel. And so me getting to know my team as a behaviorist and for people people problems, like leaning into that space, Mm -hmm. that was all self-serving. Because I was trying to figure out how do I serve them in a way that has meaning for them, not for me. Mm-hmm. And so some of the things that I get credited for, I step back going, I am maybe the person that you see, but it's them. Mm-hmm. It's all about them. It's always been about them. And even when we huddle up about like what's the next initiative that we want to go after, half the time it's not me that says this is the next initiative. Somebody on the team goes, you know what, I think we should do. And I'm like, oh, that's a great idea. How do we do that? And they're like, oh, you know, we're gonna get pushback. I'm like, oh, that just means we're doing the right thing. Right. I'm just I don't have some of the knee-jerk reactions that other people do going into the, you know, the depths of the abyss. And the reason is because I was born in the depths of abyss. Mm. So the fact that I'm alive, I've already won. I won. I made it out. I'm alive. Everything else is just a game.
0: Hey, my friends. Thank you for being with us so far. I hope you're enjoying the interview. I just wanted to take a quick moment to let you know about our signature heartprint coaching. Our heartprint coaching is for you. If you're ready to go all in on becoming a heart-centered leader, ready to go all in on doing more of what you love, ready to see what you are capable of with support, guidance and accountability. You're ready to go on a rapid transformational journey that would change your life and others in as little as three months. Are you ready to show up with courage and share your gift with the world? Ready to start making an income and more impact by doing what you love? Ready to start leaving your legacy? where those around you are left better than yesterday. In our Heartprint Signature Coaching, in our time together, I'll help you lead from your heart set. I'll help you develop other people and your team. I'll help you bring your heart work to the world. I'll help you start leaving a legacy and capturing examples of your impact. I will help you be someone you love, to do more of what you love, and to serve people that you love. It's an amazing opportunity for someone who's ready to go all in and be a heart-centered leader. I'll throw in loads of other bonuses, including your life languages profile, uh, access to our Master Heart and Mind membership, and even some Always Better Than Yesterday merchandise. Head to abty.co.uk forward slash coaching to find out more, and I look forward to connecting with you very soon. That's abty.co.uk forward slash coaching. Here we go, back to the interview. When I was um, when I was at the police, um, so I did twelve years in the UK police service, variety of civilian roles, and um, one of the things that used to be said about me is that you know I had my heart on my sleeve, and mm. that was never a hey he wears his heart on his sleeve. It was like a oh he's yeah. like yeah. he's a, a, a icky like oh how do we yeah. deal with emotions? Yeah. And um, I, I was I was led to believe that that was my weakness. And wow. it's not until I read a, a wonderful book by our friend in common, Bob Berg, you know, the, Gauguin Oh,
1: mm, Bob, he wrote oh, the I, first of my book. I love, he Bob. Did, and I, I love Bob. I love him so much. Yeah. He's taught me so much.
0: Yeah. And, me so and, reading, much. and reading that book as a, as a young lad in my mid twenties, thinking that I could lead in a way that was true to me and different to what I was seeing. But not having that kind of in my corner reading that was like oxygen and you know I guess for me what that helped me do is understand that um there is a complete correlation between greatest strength greatest weakness Mm -hmm. that they are two sides of the same coin and and and, and I guess you know maybe for you and, and maybe for other people realizing that you know that naivety or whatever that might be on the flip side of that is some incredible strength. And I guess, when did you start to be conscious of your driving force and your power?
1: So I still, this is what just, I don't see it. Sure. Okay. So people will say to me, Oh my gosh, you're so intense. I'm like, really? (laughs) Like I'm the most loving, nurturing, caring. Like I love to cheer for other people. And so keep hearing that over again, I'm intense, I'm intense, I'm intense. I'm inside the bubble. So I don't see the intensity. And so I've had to learn over time that my intensity can be a trigger for other people. Right. And so for me, the opposite of intensity is what's my trigger, Mm -hmm. right? That's my trigger. Like I literally would go, why are we all being so quiet? What are, <laughs> what are, we, what are we waiting on? Like what's, what's happening? On, yeah, 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 exactly. You know, and so I had to learn, like what you said, your greatest strength is your is your greatest weekend, and how they lock together. You know, I spent a lot of time as a behaviorist explaining some to some people what shadow and light is. Yeah. Um, and that the work, the real work, mm. is done in your shadow. Yeah. Growth is in your shadow. You'll never grow from your light. That's the area where you excel. The things that you know and believe is the light side, right? If you talk about the infinity loop, right? Giving and receiving infinity loop, right? The shadow and the light. People keep trying to do personal development in the light,
0: right? And I laugh.
1: And yeah. I laugh. I'm and, like, and
0: the self yeah, love. Yeah, that'll never myself. Work. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's in the depths of the darkness mm. that you actually see your own reflection. You see your reflection in the dark. And in that shadow is your genius. Mm. It's the inner thing that you don't even pay attention to Mm. that creeps out in the most difficulties of life. Mm. Right. And so for me, when I look back, right, all of those situations that I would wish on nobody. Mm -hmm. And I was like, so what was happening? Right. Cause we say that all the time. What you think is happening is not what's ever happening. Mm-hmm. And so for me, in those things where some people would have just rolled over in the fetal position yeah. and they would have been like, this is it. Mm. I was like, oh, not a chance in hell. Yeah. Right. And their stories, you know that my grandparents used to tell. I mean, this is how this we're going, we're going to the land of the abyss here. So my grandparents used to tell these stories about how I would be beaten mm. and I would turn around to my father and go, is that all you got? Is that oh. it? You're like a man, that's it? That's all you got? Oh, Where the they'd be like, don't antagonize strong. him, right? That was me though, that was me. Yeah. Yeah. Like I wouldn't cry, my brothers would cry. Sure. My father would just show up and the would and be like, ah! and so he would stop. And I'd be Mm. like, really? That's it? You're a man? That's what you got? Really? No tears here. Mm. And he would just wail on me. And I would be stone cold, stone cold. Mm. Because I wasn't going to give in.
0: Mm.
1: And so that skill of not being forced into submission of belief, it's not my physicality. It was my mental fortitude. You're not going to break me mm-hmm. because I will fight for my team. Mm. But if I don't have something that I'm defending or fighting for, I'll roll over.
0: Mm. That's I'll roll over. One of the most haunting things I've ever read was the final page of Dr. Gary Chapman's, the five love languages. Mm. And it says, for all the love we do not receive as children, we'll go out into the world seeking that as adults. Mm. I thought, Oh shit. Like the amount of, adults particularly men in business that are using work to receive the love with which they did not get as children Mm -hmm. it is i guess it horrifies me um and i was i was reading your blog earlier and you talk about you know the 10 things that you need to know to live a life by design Mm -hmm. and one of the points that you make is what you don't heal hurts people well it's your weapon Absolutely. It's and I think this is such a relevant conversation for all leaders, right? You have to heal, otherwise your leadership will suffer, you will hurt people. And yet, theres I don't think there's an acceptance or a willingness to do this work in leadership because it's not seen as one of the same. How does that bear any relevance? Keep home at home, keep work at work. But we bring all of ourselves, if we're trying to bring all of ourselves to being human as leaders then we have to recognize mm-hmm. that we bring all of us with it what do you i can see you smiling what do you I think about what i've just said
1: I cra- so I, I when people say that you know home is home is work is work and i'm like really how do you <laughs> go in two directions at the same time mm. demonstrate that for me yeah how are you going in two directions at the same time mm. this is people who go oh well i'm a jerk in my business life, but I'm a puppy dog at home. And I'm like, you do know the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. (laughs) Because time is man-made. It's That's man-made for us to understand the concept. Energy, right? It's a way for us to understand concepts, right? We break them down so that we can understand them, but we think that that then becomes real. Mm. Well, it's not real. It's real so we can understand it. And so in that is where people get lost in trying to utilize metaphors or story Mm -hmm. to relate to what we're learning. They take the story as is. I'm like, you're missing. The story is a metaphor, right? (laughs) Like that is what it's representing. And so that's where people get lost because you got to remember 50% of the world, right, is of doing, literal and 50% of the world is of being. And both sides are required for us to function as humans. Not Mm -hmm. one is better or worse. It is what happens in your primary state, Mm -hmm. right? And so I try to give the analogy that when you're witness crisis, right? So your family dog gets hit by a car. Half the population go, oh my god, call 9-1, get a list, see if the dog's breathing, get me a they go into doing. And then that night they will grieve and cry and whatever. The other half of the world will be like, Oh, oh my god, that's the family pet. What am I gonna tell the kids? Oh my gosh, is a dog suffering? They go into being. Now, one isn't right or wrong. It's your prime, it's your root behavior, and then that root is then surrounded but what the world told you so there's a mm. lot of people that are being that are high 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 doers mm. the doer is the mask it's to protect that's not who they are mm. they're really beers who have put in all this stuff and so when i work with people a lot of times they have a tough time because they're like i'm a doer i'm like really mm. Are you looking at all of this ripple effect, all of the shadowness that comes off of your doing? If you were truly a doer, it wouldn't be there. Like for me, I'm a, I'm overly way over action oriented, right? Over the top executor. I'm an ex, execute, 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 execute. You would literally have to stop and go, Amelia, how do you feel? And I'm like, what? They go, well, how do you feel? Feel about what? Like I have to lean in to go, oh, Hmm. my feelings are actually hurt. Oh, wow. Like I'm now showing up defensive Mm -hmm. because you hurt me, but I'll skip right over the fact that you hurt me and keep doing Mm -hmm. same thing with being, right? Being similar situation, right? If you overstimulate a person Mm -hmm. of being with all the things that they have to do, they'll do nothing not because they can't, because you just threw the entire kitchen sink at them, Mm -hmm. right? And it's not, you can't being people need to be able to, because they are. And so they get into a situation and they're not not only aware of what's happening, Mm -hmm. but what's happening in the happening. And we've stomped that out of the importance of life. We we need our beings. We need our creators. We need, I need them on my team. I need them around me so I don't do damage. Mm. I got people on my team trying to go, oh, Amelia, you need to slow your roll. And I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, you're going too fast. I'm like, what do you mean going too fast? They're like, you're hurting people. I'm like, hurting people? What do you mean I'm hurting people? They're like, you're dragging them behind you. Slow down. I'm like, oh, but that's that's not me learning a skill. It's me clocking into an infinity loop of trust that when my partners say to me ease back I ease back I don't go well why well what's the evidence I'm like oh okay ease back what's happening what's going on what's Mm -hmm. happening and they're like oh this is you know abandonment or this is triggered or that's triggered or and I'm like okay 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 and then I can lean in with my behavioral tools but the awareness comes from them first not me Mm -hmm. them
0: Yeah. I mean, you've been on um, Variety talked about Oprah earlier, Steve Harvey, you know, human behaviorist, strategic advisor to some very, very influential and um, high platform people. And I guess last year I was reading Will Smith's book. Mm. he's He's an interesting topic, isn't he? Yeah. Because one of the things I really kind of paid attention to was that his father and his abuse. What Will got very, very attuned to. Almost like like Bob would say, you know, feeling listening and feeling with the back of your neck. He got very, very good at reading his father's mood. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's where he was able to develop his comedy. He would use his humor to get his father in a good mood so he wouldn't get a whooping. And I guess, you know, is that, you know, maybe your background, particularly your interest in people, maybe the dysfunctional side of people, is that what kind of got you down the human behaviour route?
1: I mean, I would, I think it has to, I think out of great suffering comes your, your greatest strength. And I, I really have always been somebody to go, there's another way. Like, I don't believe, like, I don't believe, and it's hard to convince me otherwise that the people in my life who hurt me greatly intended it. Mm. I don't believe they intended it. Mm -hmm. I believe that they were doing that the best that they can. Mm -hmm. And in their limited skills, created layers and layers and layers of suffering. And I wouldn't wish it on anybody. But as a behaviorist, as I go into so many situations, what I find is that the intention is rarely there, but that doesn't abdicate the responsibility that you Mm -hmm. are creating suffering. And the thing that is the hardest for me to bear witness to Mm -hmm. is people when they create their own suffering. And that's the lack of life skills, life skills, behavioral tools, identifiers, modification, all this stuff that I put out there, because we don't want to suffer. Nobody wakes up and goes, well, I'd like to suffer today, Mm -hmm. but it's happening. And it's happening more and more as we disconnect. And I think that that's the biggest misnomer that has happened with the digital revolution, the rise of social media and technology and stuff like that, which again, there's so much good that came out of that. Yep. But at the same time, what it created was disconnect, right? It's people think it's a, connect, a tool to connect. It's actually mm. a tool to disconnect. Mm. And now we live in these little circles where we're actually meant to be part of an infinity loop, mm-hmm. giving and receiving, giving and receiving through the bound of trust. Mm. And we don't, we live in silos. And then when you take a look at some of the reports that came out in 2022, Mm. right? 91% of people feel alone, not seen, not heard, not recognized, 70 odd percent of employees basically said, my bosses don't even care. And so we have disassociated so much. We think we're islands. Mm. And for young people, they don't even know how to connect because they have a relationship now with technology, and there's been so much white paper. So, a young person connecting with technology lights up the same part of the brain as if the human was actually there. Mm-hmm. But you have to, and when I work with parents, I go, Listen, if you remember when you were in school and nobody wanted to sit next to you at the lunch table, you came home devastated, mm-hmm. devastated that they didn't want to sit with you. That happens thousands of times per second. Mm. per second with our young people mm. they didn't like they didn't share they didn't watch they like rejection 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 you're not good enough abandonment you're alone I'm like, the messaging is mm. compulsive and when you see the anxiety that happens when you remove them from the device this is what i love when parents do that mm. oh, i'm just going to take the devices away i'm like really now you're creating trauma trauma So we just don't understand what's really going on and we're missing tools to be able to move at somebody's pace based on whatever the topic is. And so that's so much around the work that we're doing is helping people to understand what is really going on, what's going on for you, what's going on for them, what's on whose side, how do we maneuver through it, how do we create connection, how do we belong and where does belonging, all these unanswered questions that all derive, whether we like it or not, back to the families back mm. to the communities and mm. into our workplace because mm. the greatest community we have is where we work Which mm-hmm. where we work
0: yeah 40 hours a week if uh, you know if not more if, if yeah if exactly i do you know this might be a controversial thought it's something i was thinking about recently and uh, something bugs me a little bit around the posts around depression because you know people will post up, "This is what can depression can look like, and it'd be smiling faces. And I'm like, we have got to a point where the both use of antidepressants and social media is allowing people to portray something on the outside that is not present on the inside. Mm-hmm. I think this I think the presence of depression and I think the presence of those emotions correlated with an outward expression of that genuine emotion gives every human being around them the verbal cues to lean in and help that person. We're not supposed to be masking it with tablets and smiling. Mm -hmm. I I think, I think the, I think the correlation between maybe not clinical depression, but the feeling of being depressed.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: I think that when felt and manifest in our presence allows someone to lean and go, you Okay. And we mm-hmm. get that by that. like you say, the infinity loop in person, I feel your presence and I feel something's not right. I'm going to lean in. I'm going to help you now. Now, how do we do that? Like, I want to help you. I don't want people to feel disconnected. I don't want people to feel sad and upset and depressed. But how am I supposed to know? Because you're removing all of our social cues that we've relied upon for thousands of years to live and love and serve each other as a community
1: well we've changed everything about yeah. community though see the word community is misunderstood mm. right the word of dep- depression is misunderstood right we're the loneliest society mm. ever in existence mm. we are more lonely as a, as a as a as a people as a species than we ever have been before yeah. and part of that is where did you learn to connect and belong mm. we just dis- we dismantled the family unit we've messed mm. that up right? The community used to be around church and there was a grocery store and there was a, you know, place to play. And we used to be in the streets. We had all these touch points of community, right? For me, uh, we go be out on the piazza, right? We were out in the piazza every night. That's what we did, you know, cause they didn't want us in the house. We'd be out there playing. Well, we removed all those things. We're helicopter parents. So nobody's allowed to play. And if you want to play, you have to play dates. So now it's like a whole ordeal. And if you're going to do that, now it becomes more complicated because there's usually a parent at the home at most. Mm. And so all of these layers of isolation, isolation, difficulties, su- suffering, we've complicated things to such a degree that we feel overwhelmed and isolated. Mm. Yeah, we all are lonely. But lonely manifests now so differently on the outside package, because we're told we should look and be a certain way, Mm. right? So even like what you were saying before, saying, well, as a human- you were somebody who was in touch with your feelings and then you got labeled as wearing your heart on your sleeve as if that was even a correct articulation of who you are. Like that's even like that, like I go, what does that even mean? Right. You know, that it means something different to everybody who hears that box you know, same thing for me. You know, I had the opposite. People are like, she's emotionless. She's a Barracuda. You know, she has no feelings. And I'm like, yeah, just because I cry at home doesn't mean I don't have feelings. Right. And so we create stories for us to excuse our behavior on others. We're literally creating the story so that I go, oh, well, she's tough. She doesn't matter. You can just plow all over her and be rude because she can handle it. Yeah. Uh, really? Don't you have some responsibility on how you show up with others? And if you are aware that you are in touch with your emotions and your feelings, isn't that a huge gift for me who I'm trying to find mine? Yeah. Right. And so we just, yeah. our language hmm. with each other is so ab- abusive our judgment on people is just insane insane I'm like you're judging me you don't have your shit figured out keep your stuff on your side don't be throwing it over here I'm gonna have tough time on my side just handling my own stuff and so we don't teach it our kids we blame young people right our kids have never been in a community they've never been in a community they go to event after event, after event, after event, that's all isolated and controlled by the parents. And so I do this tons of parenting training. And I'm like, you do realize that there's an, after the age of like 12 to 14, you have to stop being the parent and start being the mentor. Mm. People like what? I've never heard that before. I'm like guiding, guiding them to what they think and what they feel, and help them make decisions, and then feel the responsibility and the consequences to those outcomes. You not you can know you can't be their parent, be the ruler of all, the decision making controller of everything, and then throw them off to the college, and they're like, "Whoa, what happened?" Well, you didn't teach them how to make decisions. You didn't yeah. teach them life skills, right? And 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 when I when I show people how the language changes yeah. with yeah. your children to go, oh. Right. So you go into, a, you know, a situation where you would have a parent, you're like, okay, go to bed at 10 or nine or whatever that in the mentoring role, right. Have you considered what time you need to get up in the morning? How many hours of sleep, like thinking, guiding through. Right. And so when I tell people, well, my kids don't have a bedtime. They're like, what do you mean your kids don't have a bedtime? Well, cause I'm no longer their parent. They have to learn how to parent themselves and get up and go, Oh God, I feel horrible. I'm like, Oh really? You feel, what do you think it could be? And they're like, oh, I don't, I don't know. I'm like, do you think mine have something to do with the time you went to bed? And they're like, oh, I don't think so. I'm like, let's see what happens tomorrow. And then they're like, oh, mom, I have to go to bed earlier. I'm like, really? Why is it Because you feel like <laughs> shit in the morning, right? I'm, I know the answer. I'm leading them to the mm, answer, mm. right? So that they learn life skills. Same thing too, when they eat something, I'm like, oh, they're like, I feel sick. I'm like, what could that be? <laughs> what could that possibly be? I don't know, the gallon of ice cream? Eh, maybe that was too much. What do you think?
0: It's, right. it's really interesting because my son's 10 and I'm already feeling that tension where he's buff- like battling just at my level of parenting. So I'm conscious not to retire too soon, but there's definitely a, Corey, put your coat on. No, Corey, it's minus one outside. Put your coat on. I don't need my coat. <laughs> okay, fine. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, third or fourth time, go figure it out. If you need it, right. and you ain't got it tough. <laughs> right.
1: Right. And it, and it's really, it's literally adopting the mentorship. And right. so from a behavioral standpoint, right. He's right at the age mm. where that rebellion really is not rebellion. It's the creation of his own identity outside of you. Yeah, You've been telling him who he was. Mm-hmm. Now he's going, I don't think I want to, which is healthy, yeah. it's healthy. Yeah, it's yeah. what it's what he's supposed to be doing right yeah. he's pushing on boundaries to explore who he is and what he stands for so now you become as a mentor to suggest things that their their, their brain isn't fully there yet to suggest hmm wonder what would happen if we got, if it started to rain what would yeah. we do huh what happens if it gets colder hmm what if i need a coat right? Like just all kinds of questioning for them to start thinking in their curiosity. It's not to give them the answer. It's to teach the skill. How do you seek answers? What happens if we go out there and it does rain? What would you do, right? For them to go, oh, I could jump into a store and and buy an umbrella. I can go into a hotel and borrow one. Oh, what else could you do, right? Teaching them how to think, Mm. That's the role teaching them how to think and solve problems not just the way you would solve them what are yeah. all the ways you can solve them without judgment
0: yeah I love that and and you know one of the things that you say in your in your book i guess the the caption is all about success is an inward journey so i'd love to know about what that inward journey is but then how does that then transpose onto that scenario we've just been talking about with a team you know is there a framework are we are we going in to find our values so that we use the the, the values or the p- purpose the mission as is the framework so for antiquated.
1: those thoughts? <laughs> so old yeah no no being success being an inward journey you know what i have found right through years 35 years of work now mm-hmm. is that in so many cases so many cases people are trying to live somebody else's life mm. they're somebody else's def- definition of success, mm-hmm. not their own. And rarely have we spent the time to say, what would it look, sound, and feel like? What evidence would be apparent in my life if it was based on my ideals of success? Mm. What What is it really? Because what I found as you go through you know, and do the work, it leads you through to not only creating a life book, but it also creates a perfect day. And I will tell you like 99.9% of the time when we take people through this, they don't know what their perfect day is. They have yeah. no idea, right? Their perfect day is why I would get more sleep. Okay, and then what, right? And so <laughs> we walk them through an exercise of, you know, when you first wake up, what do you see? What do you feel? What, what, you, what is it like? And what do you hear? And then what, you know, for people to go, well, God, you know, if it was perfect, I would hear water. Okay, great. What else would you hear? Oh, what I, you know, somebody would love me. Okay. What would they say? Right. And then what, are you sleeping in a cushy bed or not a cushy bed? Is there a, a comforter? Or is there not a comforter? Like a, you close mm. on or close off? Like what, what, then what happens? Well, you know, it'd be great. You know, if I had a you know romantic breakfast out on the balcony oh so there's a balcony okay great what else right and people to really go through what it looks like and then here's the best part the best part of it is they've got this perfect day and then i go okay circle how many of those things are present in your life right
0: now mm-hmm. yeah
1: and then I- people go oh my goodness i'm like so you're almost living a perfect day now how many of the other things could you intentionally put in your day you want to wake okay. up to water you can turn water on anywhere, right? And so people are like, wait a minute, I can actually design my own life. I'm like, yeah, yes, you can. And when you learn, we have something called should and should nots, but then you turn around and go, hey, listen, what's really meaningful to me is if you don't turn the lights on until 7 a.m. because my perfect day you know, is in a meditative or whatever. And people are like, oh, I can do that. But how would they know? Yeah, How would they know if you've not done your work? How can you ask of others of the things you don't know about yourself? And so that's what I mean by the sex success is an inward journey. It's first to discover self. And then once you do to understand and discover the people around you, Mm. I can't tell you how many people, couples have gone through this, who've literally been married 20, 30 years. And they're like, oh my goodness, I had (laughs) no (laughs) idea what they're perfect. I had no idea there should and should. They had no idea. And yeah, then bringing it into a an corporate environment yeah. where you have a life book on every single person you're responsible for mm-hmm. your whole world changes and it yeah. removes the guessing.
0: And exactly. And that's the thing as a servant leader, if you want to be able to serve the needs of your people, you have to understand the needs of your people. It's what not... drives
1: value for them, for yeah. them, not you, them. The
0: reason, the reason I started getting excited as you were talking about, the the perfect day uh, a guest of mine previously his name is joshua luke smith he's a christian poet rapper and on his post is a really lush picture of him cuddling his two little children and his opening caption is the life we long for is hidden in the life we have oh,
1: it's true And i read
0: that earlier today and i was like that's what came to mind as you were talking oh, like the, the life we long for is hidden in the life we have amelia what's your perfect day you know, that's a, it's a it's a good
1: anyway, and it's it's been something that you know, every time I go through the exercise, I actually laugh at myself how simple I am. Yeah,
0: yeah like yeah.
1: really, you know, people misunderstand me, and that's the work that I'm working on really for this year. Yeah. Um, I am so energized by nature. Mm-hmm. I like I feel such love and a sense of belonging when I'm in nature, especially if I can get near to like, tr- like I always say, <laughs> I'm like, I want to be a tree. I true, really want to be a tree. Um, and so when I get near, you know, rocks and trees and stuff like that, it really gives me like this inner peace. Yeah. And that feeling that I get when I walk in nature and I try to do it as often as I can yeah, yeah. Um, to do that, that same feeling that I have as it relates to nature That's what I try to give others, that they feel Mm. so comfortable and allow me to earn their trust that we can do amazing things together. Mm. And so I truly, truly feel an emotional connection to others to say, whether you like me or hate me, Mm. you will learn from me. Mm. You Mm. will learn from me. And when I went through the exercise to actually write my headstone, which was tough, I had to go through the fact to say, nobody's going to say I was like the most amazing wife or an incredible mother mm-hmm. or sister. Woman of the
0: decade.
1: <laughs> Whatever. But um, my headstone basically says she made a difference. Yeah. And so when you really get clear on the end, that's what I do every day. I'm like, did I do the best I can to make a difference today in the people that I met? And that's everybody from who I meet at Dunkin' Donuts, standing in line, beep-bopping around, you know, I wave to people. I live in New York, so I wave to people on the freeway and they're like, she is crazy. I'm like, hi, just if you're going to come into contact with my energy, I want to make an impact. And that is really what my perfect day is, are these moments of connections that matter. And the more I can have of those in a day, the more that I know I am living my perfect day.
0: A lot of the insights that you take around designing genius, hiring, um, retaining, mentoring, you say that they come from in the trenches. Have you got any particular stories of the trenches, some of the real kind of top things that you think are really relevant in in today's leadership uh, crisis, shall we say?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that the big like, uh aha, you know, and I think as leaders, we think other people get us and understand us and what drives us is when I was growing one of the companies, we needed a major retail, major retailer, like Mm. we had little things, but we needed a big boy to believe in what we were doing. And the company that I targeted that I really believed we were a perfect fit and they didn't believe that. Mm -hmm. Um, So that tenacity was like, I was, you know, I stalked the wife at the country club. (laughs) I was like, I was like a stalker. Um, and I was so frustrated because I was like, man, they're not even returning my call. Like just how rude. Right. And when I was talking to the, um, EA, they were like, listen, Amelia, he hates you. He's never returning your call. Uh And I got on a plane and I flew across country. I was so impulsive. I was so angry. And I showed up at the, the buying office and I realized, well, you've done it again, Amelia, (laughs) here we are. I don't have an appointment. So like, that little fun fact, I forgot. And there was a lady behind the desk, and I was like, Hey, I got to pee. Can you let me in? And she was like, Sure, not a problem. And I'm like, Okay. So now I'm on the other side. And I'm like, Woohoo, he's on here somewhere. Um, and so, you know, I did. I stalked him in front of the mail, the Ben's restroom, and I finally found him. And he was like, Oh my God, you're the most tenacious person I've ever met in my life. But I left there with a purchase order. And the reason why I tell you that is that when I came back and I was so happy to share this news with my team. My team were like, well, you did it. We knew you would do it. And I was like, well, wait a minute. You don't actually think I humiliated myself for me. Like for me, no, no. no." I was like, I did it because you believe in me. You trust me. It was for you. And I realized that in that moment, I needed to go from being a leader who leads from the front mm-hmm. to a leader who leads from the back mm-hmm. because they did not understand why I did what I did and what it takes from me, mm. the little bits of them that live in me, like a little bit of confidence and a little bit of this and a little bit of that get I'm all little parts of my team that then drives towards an outcome with the fierce belief that I do, right? Because I have a different relationship with risk. And I think that when I look back and I go, okay, well, where do those things come from? I started realizing how misunderstood I was. Mm -hmm. And then as I got into more companies, I started to realize that that's the biggest problem in leadership is, they don't really understand what's going on in the relationship between leader and teammate. And that the healthy flow state, if you talk up Stephen Coulter, right? The flow mm-hmm. state within an organization is that everybody leads in their area of genius. Yeah. So if I can't follow as comfortably as I can lead, I'm the problem. And I realized that into so many areas of my company that we could have done so much more. Mm. I was the problem, I was the problem. And I was like, wait a minute, but I care so much. And then I was like, oh my God, here's the human dynamic. Mm. We care so much, we want to connect, we want to bond, we want to belong, we wanna be significant. Mm -hmm. And in that quest, we create isolation.
0: Yeah. Do you? All, I also think that um, there's a so that I, I think that's a, a feeling heart dynamic. I think there's an intellect dynamic, which is when we think that the role entitles us to be the type of leader who is served rather than is serving, and I think that connect creates a disconnect too.
1: Because it's when 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 has it been demonstrated? Mm-hmm. Right. Like our parents didn't serve us. That's for sure. The mm. school systems, well, they didn't serve us. Being on a competitive team, that didn't serve. Where, where were we going to learn that? Mm. Right. I, until I read the go-giver, mm-hmm. I had never heard that concept before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cause I was like, wait a minute, but if I give all I am to you, I'm going to be depleted. Like I couldn't wrap my, I read the book like a hundred times. I was like, he can't be right can't be right. Cause if I'm going to give, there's nothing left for me because I had a unhealthy relationship with giving. Mm-hmm. I believed I gave to get something in return. Mm-hmm. That's what I was taught. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give. And what are you going to give? <laughs> I'm like, I, well, I don't want to know up front before I do anything. What are you going to do for me? Mm-hmm. And so it was so unhealthy. And so this giving freely without wanting anything in return, I was like, insanity Mm. who would do that who would do that and so i think that's what's taken so long because as much as we read it we go i don't know how to implement that how do i implement that i'm like i don't want to go first (laughs) you you give you give and then i'll give next you go you take you do it yeah i'm like we have a lot of problems around giving
0: this is where the inward journey comes in though Mm -hmm. i talk about it's about getting to a state where it's your heart set. Is I have all that I need. I think it's Psalm 23. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, and I have all that I need. And I I think I try and get to that state in that spirit every single day. And I think that's what helps me be a go giver. I guess one example, you know, listeners of the podcast will have heard me share this a couple of weeks ago, but we, we ordered Domino's Pizza a couple of months ago. And my daughter, she's seven, she was starving, and she had her pizza. And I said, Oh, Brooke, can I have a piece? And she was like, over it like swatting my hand away type thing there was no way she was starving that's not a chance dad but she eats pretty much all of it leaves one piece and says oh here you go dad it's it's the same thing right it was one piece the outcome was the same dad got one piece Mm -hmm. but the spirit of her giving freely wasn't possible because she didn't have all that she needed her basic needs were not met In the first instance, as soon as she had given to herself and shed all that she needed, she gave lovingly, she gave freely, same thing, same resource, one piece, but the way with which she was able to give was without needing anything in return. And I think that's the thing for leaders. We all need to try and get to that. I'm not saying go and eat like three quarters of a pizza before you go to work, but (laughs) we have to try and get to that spirit of, I'm all right, I've got all that I need. And in Mm -hmm. this uncertainty and in this unsafety, I'm able to put you before me.
1: Mm -hmm. And I think that that's, it sounds easy and it's not, (laughs) it's not because we are undeveloped in our relationship with trust. Trust is earned repeatedly, not one time, right? That's some craziness that we learned in school. I earn your trust and therefore I have my trust. No, I earn trust repeatedly from you over and over again. But in our relationship, if it's going to be a healthy adult relationship, then we have to have dialogue about what do you need to see, hear, and feel from me in Mm -hmm. order for me to earn your trust. My responsibility is to earn it. And the way that you help me is by guiding me on how I earn it. So you may say to me, you know what earns trust from me? Punctual. Do what you say, say what you're going to do. Be okay with me when I'm not okay. Like whatever those things are that drive value for you so that I understand that this is how I earn your trust. Mm. So that when I step off, I understand that the responsibility is on me, not you. Mm. It's on me. And the same in return is to be able to say, this is how you earn trust from me. And we do a check and balance. And what happens is when leaders understand what earns trust, from their teammate they're shocked they're shocked because they're like well I thought it was these things I'm like no it's never what you think yeah it's never what you think
0: you remembered and- my kid's birthday mm-hmm. you remembered oh. my kid's birthday or you asked how my weekend was or you- well you want to hear
1: something that's sad during during COVID oh during COVID I think it's what was more than 60 percent of employees said that their bosses never even checked on them they never even called what us are they even doing? What are they yeah, doing but i'm saying they, did, they didn't they didn't and no. so we have yeah. so many people who lost he- yeah. people houses mm. bank accounts huge things that were lost that they're grieving over yeah. that has never been addressed like even now i go into companies i'm like tell me what you lost during covid People go, oh my God, that was the most meaningful conversation. I had no idea any of that happened. I'm like, because you didn't ask. You didn't ask. We have people who've lost children, Mm. family members, husbands, wives. Mm. And they go on about their day and nobody knows. And then you wanna why they're a disgruntled worker because you're not even paying attention. You're not even paying attention. Mm. Because we go, well, they look okay. You know, and I I say this all the time. So my my children's husband, my Children's father committed suicide in May of this last year. Devastating. Mm. But people go, but you look like you're okay. Mm. I'm like, did you hear what you just said? Mm. My kids lost their father. Mm. There's nothing okay about me. Mm. There's nothing okay about me. I lost somebody who was in my life for 26 years. Mm. I'm not going to get over that anytime soon. Maybe never. Because the void, right, the, they say never underestimate right? the void that your life will make in others. Because we can't even quantify it. Mm. But because we show up capable, we just assume people are okay. But how is capable and okay the same thing? Capable? I'm capable. Mm. Am I okay? No, I'm grieving. And I'm not grieving just because of me. I'm grieving because I'm watching my children grieve. Mm. I can get over my own grieving. Watching your children suffer Oh, well, that's something else. That's mm. something else. And that's what's happening In, inside our companies. We don't even know what's going on with our colleagues that we work shoulder to shoulder with. And supposedly we're supposed to care. Mm. And we don't.
0: How do we make space for more heart? Oh, You know,
1: I think that the only way we make space for other people's hearts is if we give us permission for us to be able to show ours, ours to be seen. I think that until you can see my heart, I'll never, never be able to see yours. And I think that that's why the journey is so difficult. And as a leader, it's something that I've been fighting for years, I was Mm -hmm. not going to show you my weakness. Mm -hmm. And then I realized, oh, it's actually my greatest beauty.
0: Your fullest expression.
1: Mm -hmm. And I think that that's, You know, we were taught to be tough. We were taught, you know, business is, you know, business is all about numbers and it's about money and it's about the whatever, and, you know, be a machine and, you know, knock down and get up and look what that's brought us. That gorilla type primal leadership, the loneliest society in the world, we have less retention than we've ever had in our life. So maybe it doesn't work. Maybe it doesn't work. And that's, I think, the questions. Those are the questions that you're asking. And I think those are the questions that a lot of us are asking. We're now saying, you know what? We're going to try it a different way. I'm not saying I'm right, but I know I'm going to try it differently. Yeah.
0: Do you remember the film Madagascar? Oh, yeah. I call it the penguins of Madagascar moment. When we get to the top, we get to the pinnacle, and we look around and we go, oh, this sucks. Yeah. You know, I think that's the wonderful thing about success externally validated is that we it doesn't fit us anymore. We look around the lives that we lead, the the relationships we've got, the workplace we've got, the the bank account, the mm-hmm. holidays, the cars. They're, they're, you know, if it's not peace on the inside, then it doesn't matter what's there on the outside. And so so often. And that was it, one of
1: my greatest lessons. I yeah. got to what the top was, and yeah. I looked around and I go, whose life is this?
0: And the expectation of I should feel something. Until I realized that I
1: built somebody else's ideal life. I never built
0: mine. Yeah. And it's, so it's, I think it's a simple, right? I've got a little circle over there. And, and like the, the simplest way I describe this feeling is if there's a line going out and a line going in. And I think when we build lives that are based on other people's success, everything of this world becomes the definition of us. And those definitions become entrapment. And I think the opposite is, like you said, find the inward journey, which is about come to the world as an expression of who I was made to be, who I believe I am. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, you know, it's from that place of being, do I then come and have my doing aligned with who I am, what I really care about, what I stand for, what I'm passionate about, what I'm willing to serve and sacrifice for. And then I'll, ultimately, I'll have whatever was meant for me
1: yeah i think one of the things that when i did my life book which became such a like a like a chuckle point for me is that grand gestures have nothing on me nothing there's not i don't I don't even have a reaction yeah. i have nothing
0: yeah
1: it's the simplest things that touches my heart so deeply mm-hmm. so deeply is the little the little details and i really really found that out about myself is the small details are the things that make me the most giddy and the most real and show up in my most authentic self. And I didn't know that about myself. I really thought that I needed grand gestures and that's why I wasn't emotionally reacting to things that were going on. And then I realized, oh, I don't need to go bigger. I actually need to go smaller.
0: (laughs) So if you're going via Dunkin' Donuts and uh, you're on Amelia's team, make sure you bring her back one. <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think that that's, you know, that I think that's the beauty of this whole thing is that life can be so much richer and so much more connection in meaningful in really small acts of kindness. Mm. It's the small acts of kindness that unite us mm. and that's where the meaning of life is. And the only people stopping us from living that heart is we're in our own way. We're in our own way. I literally just say to people all the time, people like, I don't know how to start. I'm like, okay, for the rest of the day, as you bump into people, smile and say hello. They're like, what? I just smile and say hello. They're like, we're in New York. And I'm like, no, just smile and say hello. Use somebody's name. I'm like, hey, how are you? And whatever. And people are like, do I know you? I'm like, no, but you have a name tag on. So that's how I know your name, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. if we just lean in with acts of kindness, you will be blown away on how yeah. your life changes.
0: I'm reading Power Versus Force by David Hawkins at the moment. And, and in it, he talks as a correlation between consciousness and our ability to hold eye contact. Mm. And if we increase our ability to hold eye contact, we will scale from shame, guilt, anger. We'll go through courage. And Vibrations. Love. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And we'll get to this higher elevated state where greater outcomes become possible because of who we're being in and through. And I think that's kind of what it means to leave a heart print. This is one of the words here, it always better than yesterday. It's about having that ripple effect that in our interactions, I'm leaving you better in some way because of that vibration. And I guess, you know, you and I could talk all day long. Uh, There's so much stuff that I probably left um, unasked. But I'd just love to know with all the work that you've done, you know, your heart work, what do you believe your heart prim, What will be the legacy of, of the work that you uh, have put out into the world?
1: I really think that when everything's said and done, that people will just sit back and say, She made a difference. Mm-hmm. She made a difference in somebody's life or how they thought or how they felt or something that they tried. I literally just think it's a small little shift of making a difference. And it's nothing more than that. That for me, I think, is my greatest heart connection with others is that I really don't care if you know who I am. Mm. I care if you know my work. And if you know mm. my work, I promise you, it'll make a difference.
0: Mm. I love that. There's a, there's a phrase that I heard a couple of years ago. I think it was in Irwin, Irwin McManus's book. He says that what we do for ourselves will be forgotten, but what we do for others will be remembered forever. Mm. Yeah, it's I agree. really powerful. Mm-hmm. Really, really powerful. Thank you so much for coming and spending time oh with God, us. Thank I, you so much. Like I said, we we could talk all day. There's probably loads of things that you probably wanted to say. Loads of things I probably I wanted to ask. But um, hey, we, we have to leave it for another conversation.
1: No worries. My honor, um, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm so excited. And I'll be back.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'd love to. Um, I'd be honored and privileged if you'd leave us a final thought from your good self.
1: I think my final thought is don't get married to your position.
0: Hmm.
1: Be open to realize that what you think is happening is never what's really happening and leave life with curiosity. Just lead with curiosity and you'll be surprised what comes back.
0: Amelia, I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Hey, my friends, thank you for making it to the end. I hope that our time spent together today has left you a little bit better than before you push play. I'd really appreciate if you just took a moment to leave a review to allow me to meet more people where they are and hopefully leave them a little bit better too. If you're curious to know how I, through Always Better Than Yesterday, can serve you, your team, your organisation, then head to alwaysbetterthanyesterday.com to connect. And while you're there, let me know one or two things that you're going to do as a result of listening to this conversation. I absolutely love hearing your thoughts, your reflections, and the things that this spark in your own heart and mind. If you want more insights from my heart and mind, I do send out short episodes on a Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. And again, I hope that they serve you well. I appreciate you listening. I'm Ryan Hartley, host of the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast, a podcast for heart-centered leaders just like you. Keep leading, my friends. Always love.